What's good, everybody? Welcome to episode 31 of the Go Figure Podcast. And today's episode, boys and girls, is going to be uh, going to be a fun one here. We got four topics that are going to stretch your mind and make you think. Some of these topics are trending very strongly in the last 24 hours in the news cycle, and others are just important business concepts that we want to talk about. So as always, we are focused on finance funding, getting your money right as a small business owner. Maybe you're in the business funding space. And so our first topic is going to be our money topic, why thinking like an entrepreneur will make you a fortune. We're going to really unpack that and look at it from a business owner perspective, a real estate investor perspective. If you're doing you know, ERC, if you're a business funding professional, all these different perspectives of why being an underwriter is important. And in fact, Ty, your wife actually gave a great how to think like an underwriter training yesterday with the team. And so I was thinking that would be a great topic for everybody to understand because you ever seen that movie, Think Like a Woman? No. It's pretty funny. It's these, uh, these dudes are like, oh, if we could, you know, get in the head and think, think like a woman, how powerful would we be at connecting with women and hooking up with women? It was this funny little show. And then I, then I think there was another one that was like, think like a man. And, and uh, so they had like two different movies on that. So same concept, except instead of thinking like the opposite sex, it's thinking like an underwriter and how much that can benefit you. So that is the money topic. And then what we got going on in sports. Yeah, sports. We've got a, a few things we got to talk about, Leo. Mm. We've got the NFL draft coming up here in a few days. We've got a Grandpa Rogers finally made his move here. We'll see that. You know, we'll get our take on that. See what we think will happen there. And then, you know, we've got to break down that new Air Jordan movie, the the genius strategies that Nike used to make billions. We've got to talk about that. Yeah, Phil Knight. Uh, what an incredible entrepreneur he is. And uh, you know, Ben Affleck has been a great director for. <laughs> You know, the handful of movies that he's directed, so I am excited to go check that out. I was uh, watching uh, PBD, and he was saying that they took uh, their entire company to it because there's just so many great uh, business lessons, so we'll have to check it out and uh, see what that movie's all about. And then our mastery topic here is uh, going to be how small business gets screwed by business credit reporting firms. You ever seen that happen where someone's like, Oh, my Dun & Bradstreet file got wrecked, and I don't even know what I'm late on, and I can't really challenge it, and Dun & Bradstreet doesn't care. Leo, I, I had a client yesterday yeah. that called me back and said, oh, I didn't get approved for this business credit card. Not even oh, a business loan, Lord. business line. So he called them up and said, <sighs> and what happened? What's the reason? They literally said, oh, we couldn't find you in Dun & Bradstreet system. Business credit cards, small business credit cards, they base their approvals off of your personal credit worthiness, and it's personally guaranteed. Why the hell do they care if they're in Dun & Bradstreet system? It's just the money. Well, and Dun & Bradstreet system is far from accurate. Like, yeah. it is a cluster every step of the way that you yeah. look at it. So we're going to definitely unpack that for you business owners out there. There's so much misinformation about business credit. And, of course, we would uh, be remiss if we did not discuss what probably the most trending topic in the last several years other than maybe COVID, and that would be the ousting of Tucker Carlson from Fox News. You know, what does that mean if you're a business owner? What does it mean for capitalism? How important is his voice to freedom, to everything that we need in terms of having a foundation in place to succeed as entrepreneurs and business owners in the United States of America? So I'm sure 
you know, we'll have different uh, takes on that, and I'm looking forward to having that conversation. So that, my friends, are our four topics here. Welcome to the Go Figure podcast, created for parents and business owners who want to get their money right. My name's Leo Cannell. As a husband and father of five, I've been fortunate to create two eight-figure businesses in the fintech space. This podcast will share the values, principles, strategies, tools, and tactics that have helped us to build a fintech empire and provide an epic life for our family. Having been a parent and entrepreneur for 20 years, there's a lot I don't know. There's been a lot of failure. The good news is together, we'll find solutions to creating an epic life powered by a business that we love. We've got about uh, 40 minutes here to knock them out, so let's take, take a little little trip down the money lane here. Why thinking like an underwriter will make you a fortune. First off, let's look at the perspective of an entrepreneur, of a business owner. And one of the things that you need to do constantly, whether you're at the beginning of the journey or you're a year in or two years in, like so many, just just looking at like our business finance journey, you know, when we started, we had to do business and personal credit card stacking to get the business off the ground. Once that was in place, then we were looking to grow those credit limits. And then we were looking at uh, different uh, other loan options. There were SBA loan options available. There's business line of credit options, all these different options to grow your business as a business owner. So what is it that a business owner should be thinking about in terms of thinking like an underwriter? How can that help them, you know, Bob the plumber or, you know, Susan who started an e-commerce business with Amazon or, you know, uh, Robert who wants to be a real estate investor? Thinking as an underwriter, as a business owner, how does it help you if you're a business owner and you want to really grow your business and you know you need access to money to do it, but... You, you don't even understand. What does it mean to think like an underwriter? Yeah, I, I think thinking like an underwriter is is understanding what they do and understanding that underwriters are very, very analytical individuals. They like everything to be black and white. There's quantitative reasoning behind everything that they do and understanding that your complex file being sat on their desk is their worst nightmare. They hate that. They would love to just quickly decline that. And so sometimes what I found, Leo, is as a business owner – um, especially this most recent mortgage, everyone's always said, don't tell an underwriter anything they don't need to know. And I found that to be actually the complete opposite and caused a lot of problems because I just submitted stuff and said, oh, the money's there, they'll figure it out. Whereas if I would have beat them to the punch and explained, this is why it's this way, this is why it's this way, this is why it's this way, here's my financials and my explanations on absolutely everything, I could have avoided having to get a short-term hard money loan, having to refi, having to do all this stuff. But I broke our own rule. I didn't think like an underwriter. I just trusted that they would figure it all out. And that's that's not how they work. They need to understand everything clear as day, especially right now. And so did that include like a bunch of letters of explanation, explaining this, this, this? Absolutely. Absolutely. All the way down to a little $300 credit builder secured loan. Literally, that was holding wow. up our file at the very end. It was like $10 a month, which baffles me. I, I can't understand how if an underwriter is going to sit here and say, oh, this $10 is tied. Oh, I'm a little concerned about this, Ty. <laughs> I probably shouldn't buy the house if that's the case. <laughs> and, and it's not the case, but I could have beat it to the punch and explained this is what it is. It's a really small company. They're not reporting things to the bureau. Here's a screenshot that shows that I actually did pay it all off. 
I could have avoided a lot of these headaches just putting it all out there right off the bat. The one thing about an underwriter is underwriters are very detailed thinking. They think about all the details and their job is actually, you know, they're paid to worry. They're paid to worry about, well, you know, are you going to default and what's going to change in your business? And what about your personal income and your debts? And how likely are you to pay this back? And anytime you throw a wrench in that process and make it more difficult for the underwriter, then obviously that increases the odds of them getting declined. And I think you're exactly right. And you know what this reminds me of? Reminds me of a client uh, named Greg from Chicago. And this was one of our early uh, clients that we were helping. I think it was clear back in 2019. And this guy had uh, been trying to work with another group and he was getting declined and he was getting really, you know, frustrated with the process. And I dug into his file and like you, he was a real estate investor and he had a couple of different rental properties and he was selling one of them. And what was happening was on his tax return, all of that, that, that rental income from the properties didn't really show up as income. So it looked like he had way too many debts and not enough income. And so everybody kept on declining. So what we did was we did exactly what you just did to get, uh, you know, when you're a business owner, getting a mortgage is always a very complicated process. And so we put together a letter of explanation saying, hey, I own these two properties and oh, here's my lease agreement and here's my bank statement showing the money coming in from these two properties. So yes, I've got these mortgage payments, but they're being covered by the property. And outside of that, my personal expenses are low. I've got plenty of personal income to cover those. And oh, by the way, these properties are actually worth a lot of money and I'm going to be selling one in the next couple of months. And once we put that together, not only did he get one loan offer, he got two and then he was able to pay down his credit card balances. He boosted his credit score. He was able to get that house uh, fixed up, sold it for, I think, $50,000, $60,000 in profit. And then he also got 0% interest uh, card stacking. And so that's how important it is to be able to think like an underwriter if you're a business owner. And the way to do that is to get ahead of it and think, where in my you know, file are they going to have issues with? So what are some of the common issues maybe that underwriters will find for you as a business owner or even in getting a mortgage that if you think about it ahead of time, you can get ahead of? Yeah, I, I think as you're talking, this thought came to my head, Leo, is, is understanding that as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, naturally, we tend to be a little bit more of a risk taker, right? We're yeah. willing to take educated guesses and take some risks, whereas an underwriter will never play the guessing game, plain and simple. They just won't do it. So what I've found is a, a lot of the things that the underwriters won't like is when they look at these complicated files where, okay, you're listed as an owner on this business, but I don't see in your tax return where it shows you just submitted your personal taxes and I don't know how much of this business you own. I don't know how much of it's passing through to you. I need to have your business tax returns done so I can actually see how much you wrote off. There's a, a, a lot of things that go into that. But ultimately, getting with your tax accountant before you're going for some oh, yeah. mortgage loan or something and saying, hey, I need everything buttoned up. I need this crystal clear. Um, one mistake that I made is I sent the do not file copy of my tax returns instead of the official tax returns. And I thought everything was fine. And then two weeks later, don't ask me why it took two weeks, but two weeks later, it's like, oh, well, this is your draft. We need your official tax return. It's like, don't understand some sometimes, but getting everything buttoned up. I've learned over the last few years is every tax season, I have one folder that says taxes. Within that folder, it says the year. 
within the year folder, it says personal, BFF, whatever the business it is. And then within that folder, it's homes, W-2s, 1099s, everything really, really detailed out. So that's not this wild goose hunt every time a mortgage lender needs a new document. No question. And if you're a business owner and you're looking to think like an underwriter so that you can position your business to always you know, qualify for financing, well, it starts with the personal credit situation. And so you should know anytime you're about to go apply for funding for your business that your credit score is going to be looked at. One of the uh, fallacies or misinformations out there is that, oh, they just uh, there's some lenders that only care about my business credit. They don't care about my personal credit as much. That's just not true. Maybe a $1,000, you know, very small business line at Staples or Office Depot for 500 bucks or a gas card. Maybe that's true in that case, but it's not true if you're looking for cash financing, a line of credit, a loan, a business credit card that you can use any way you want to grow your business. And so you're going to have to understand, what do I need to do to my personal credit to make sure it's looking good? Well, a lot of people just think we'll just make the payments on time. That's not enough. The biggest factor that most people miss is they used some personal credit cards and maybe they even paid them down or they're planning on paying them down. But right now they're showing maxed out, they're over the limit, and that's killing your credit score and leading to declines when it comes to a business line of credit, a business credit card. And so the first thing you want to do is get those card balances paid down to 45%. If you can get them down to 30% of the limit, if it's a $10,000 limit card, get that balance paid down to $4,500, $3,000. Your score is going to be much higher. Now you're going to have an easier time qualifying. So that's kind of the first thing. And when you start to think about the business, maybe the next thing you need to think about is how are you taking care of your business? business bank statements. And I really like the way that Marie unpacked this uh, in our training yesterday with the company, how important it is to, you know, take care of your business bank statements. What were some of the things that she was sharing that you thought, oh, that, that's important for a business owner to know? Yeah. I mean, positive cash flow. That That's probably yeah, the biggest thing huge. that underwriters do want to see. Because like you said, yes, your personal credit is very important. If you want to get anything other than a very, very expensive merchant cash advance, you do need to take care of your personal credit. But even more than that, if you want to get anything other than a very, very expensive merchant cash advance, you need to show that you actually have a surplus month after month after month. If a, an underwriter looks at your bank statements and realizes, okay, you started at 100K and you ended at 90K, then you started at, at 90K and you ended at 70K. If you're on this trend of your starting balance going down month after month, even though you're generating a lot of revenue, Lenders are not going to lend you money because they look at that and say they can't afford any extra bills every single month. They're already losing money. So you're right. I mean, the, the average making sure that you're, you're depositing more than you're withdrawing month after month before you're going for financing is very, very important. Absolutely, guys. So thinking about your business bank statements, they're going to look at the last three to six months. That's what's weird. Like you could have a really good business tax return from the year before, but if your last you know, six months show, dang, the business is nosediving. And unless it's a very seasonal business where you make all your money you know, in summertime when, when times are warm, maybe you're in construction and you have your business in Minnesota, well, obviously it's tough to do a lot of construction projects outdoor. Uh, you know, during the cold winter months of Minnesota. And so maybe your business is seasonal and really picks up in the summer. So those are things you want to take into account. And, and that's why it's always important. Probably the biggest thing to, when you're thinking like an underwriter is understanding, well, when does my business look best each year and when does it not look the best? And so when it's looking really strong, that's a good time to go get the money before you actually need the money, especially if it's a business line of credit, business credit card. Now it's available when you need it. 
and you don't have to worry about uh, trying to qualify when you're not going to qualify because you're not looking very strong. So that's kind of the perspective for a business owner. If you're a real estate investor, there's a lot of different challenges for underwriting. And so when you're a real estate investor, you're trying to get that next mortgage, that next property. One of the big things that they're going to look at is your down payment, and your down payment actually needs to be seasoned. And when they say seasoned, what that means is unless you want to do a bunch of detective investigative work where they're going to do a colonoscopy and figure out where did this money come from, if you have the money in your bank account for two consecutive bank statements and it doesn't show it being deposited in those bank statements for the last two months, then that's called seasoned money. It's been there for over 60 days for at least two consecutive bank statement periods. Now you're going to be good to go with your down payment. So that's a big part of it. What do you think are some of the other real estate investor guidelines that you should be aware of if you're an investor and start to think more like an underwriter for your next investment property? Yeah, that that's a... a and really, you've, you've gotten a lot of investment property mortgages, <laughs> so you're a good person to ask. Yeah, you, you're right. I mean, making sure that you've got all your ducks in a row before you go out and apply for that, that new loan, like you said, with the uh, making sure the down payment is seasoned. The other aspect of that is, is like you said, making sure that your utilization on other accounts is brought down below oh, yeah. that 30, 35% range. And then if you have too many inquiries, right? If, if your credit file has a boatload of inquiries on it, sometimes you can write a letter of explanation for every single one of them, or it's pretty darn easy to get inquiries taken off your credit file at this point if they're not tied to an open account. So maybe going through and getting some inquiries cleaned up beforehand and then like you said, getting ready with if there's a really, really large lump sum deposit here and that you already know for a fact the underwriter is going to see that, talk to your loan officer beforehand, explain what that is, get a letter of explanation ready and send all that through. Um, like you were talking about, Leo, with, with the business bank statements, if, if it's going, if you like to get that zeroed out every single month, like a lot of people do, a big mistake I'll see people make is they'll go apply for a loan and they'll only submit their main checking bank statements, but, and you just hope, right? You just hope that the underwriter is smart enough to realize that, oh, there's $10,000 every month that goes into a savings account. But guess what? You should never, ever hope that an underwriter is going to be smart enough to see that. So beat them to the punch and say, yes, it looks like I zero out every single month, but that's because I'm moving money to this account and beat them to the punch, come to the, the table with those statements showing where the money's going. If they only allow you to connect one bank account when you apply, submit your application and immediately call them and do not get off the phone until you can explain that to someone because they will decline you right away. So it's just beating them to the punch with these little confusing things that may not just be super obvious to the underwriter. Yeah, no question. And any anytime you're like a real estate investor or business owner, sometimes you have multiple business entities, and then that's going to lead to more questions. And so having those business tax returns handy, and then having an explanation, like you said, maybe a letter of explanation with each business. For example, one of our businesses, uh, we had a boat rental business, and it was down in Lake Powell, and it was a pain in the butt. It was taking all of our time, and our business tax return didn't look so good. But we actually closed that business. So kind of having a letter of explanation saying, hey, this doesn't look great, but don't worry, we closed it. So now it's not going to hurt us moving forward. Now they don't have to necessarily take that bad business tax return into account because it's now a closed business. So it's just understanding where are the issues. And if you don't have those letters of explanation ready to go and and, and think like the underwriter, then they may just decline you without having a conversation. And underwriters are very... Um, 
they're difficult to change their mind. Once they've made up their mind and they've decided to turn something down, I think it's very hard, if not impossible, a lot of the times to turn that back into an approval. And so getting ahead of it, again, that's just that's probably the biggest thing here is, is think ahead, think where are the issues and what can you do to remedy those and explain those before you even get to that point. If you're a business funding professional, thinking like an underwriter is even more important. And understanding all these things we've talked about, credit utilization with the personal credit report for your client, how they take care of their business bank statements. If you're trying to help them get uh, you know, a commercial real estate mortgage or maybe you're in the mortgage industry, understanding those letters of explanation that need to go with each one of those businesses and explaining things is going to be very important. Even you know, if you're trying to raise venture capital, you have to think like a venture capitalist uh, underwriter and they're going to underwrite and well, how strong are you compared to the competition? Do you have any sales yet? Do you have proof of concept? If you think about the ERC, same thing. You know, were they, was the business open in 2020 and 2021? Did you have W-2 employees? Is all of the payroll you paying to yourself as the business owner? You didn't actually have any employees that you pay. So all these things come into uh, play as a business funding professional. And so the sooner you begin thinking like an underwriter, the sooner life is going to be better. And even in insurance, like there's so many businesses where underwriting is really key. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that when we look at the business funding space, a business funding professional, it comes down to gaining trust from your clients, right? If you can think like an underwriter and help a client understand that, hey, here's what it takes to get this. Here's what it takes to get this. Here's what it takes to get this. They're going to understand and trust that you are positioning with the very, very best form of funding. So being able to think like an underwriter on top of having some very basic sales skills, you can really, really do well in the business lending space. No question. Well, very good, guys. That wraps up um, our money topic there. Thinking like an underwriter is so important as a business owner, so important as a real estate investor, so important if you're in the business funding space. And regardless of even if you're you know just a, a side hustler and you have a job and you're not sure what to do, like understanding these underwriting concept, concepts will save you a lot of time, heartache, and money. And sometimes getting you know a deal done is the difference between making a lot of money or not. I think about my mortgage, uh, getting my house, I had to do, you know, cartwheels and all sorts of wacky stuff just to get that thing done. And, but, but now I look at it and that property, you know, has, uh, you know, increased substantially. I think we bought it for 615. It was, uh, valued uh, over a million dollars last year. It's come down a little bit uh, since then, but to almost like to go up that much in value, like there's not many investments that can do that in that amount of time just by buying them. And if we hadn't have been able to get that loan done, and boy, it was a pain in the ass to get done, like we would have missed out on all that potential equity. Of course, the family loves uh, living there. So important things to understand. And if you're a business owner and we didn't get the money to start this business, would there be, you know, jobs for, you know, our 25, 30 amazing people here? Would we have been able to serve these thousands of business owners? Like understanding that makes a big difference. And so something important for you to understand as a business owner or in the finance space. Well, let's jump into our controversial topic, uh, the political topic. Wait, we haven't done a political topic uh, in a minute here. So this one is why Tucker Carlson is a necessary voice in our country and for capitalism. That's sort of my take on it. Um, there's a lot of different articles uh, out about uh, Tucker Carlson. In fact, there's probably thousands of them. And this just happened in the, in the last uh, 24 hours. 
You know, it's Tuesday. This took place yesterday on Monday. It's amazing how fast news travels. Anyway, the last, uh, the interesting thing was there was a, there's an article here about Megyn Kelly, and Megyn Kelly was a star at Fox News, and then she eventually decided to leave there. She went to NBC. That didn't work out so well for her, uh, but she's doing really well just independently. YouTube, uh, she's got a, a show on uh, Sirius uh, XM Radio, so all sorts of different places where she's doing well. So it was kind of the last time someone who was doing really well at the top of their game, I think she was at the top of her show ratings, and then Tucker actually took over after she did, and then Bill O'Reilly got in trouble, and Tucker took over after uh, Bill O'Reilly uh, was essentially fired uh, himself. And so it's interesting, over the last several years, and you guys have all seen this, like he's the highest-rated um, cable news TV talk show host out there. He's he's far and away number one. His time slot, he gets more views than CNN and uh, MSNBC combined. Uh, the, again, these are just uh, the facts. But my take on it was I wanted to look at it from, well, if I'm an entrepreneur and a business owner, how does Tucker Carlson's voice help me? And where does he, you know, make people have to be accountable? So as I think over the last three years, you know, you think of some of the government policies where a lot of small business owners were forced to close their doors. They were forced to be closed during the pandemic. They had all these different challenges. And there weren't a lot of people out there who were asking, is this the best policy? Is this really necessary and so many businesses went out of business during that time and i remember one of the things and again you can like anybody um you know you can read one side and just say oh tucker carlson's terrible he's this he's that he's racist whatever uh, but if you actually listen to him and read what he actually says or, or listen to him on a consistent basis, you'll realize that a lot of times what you hear is not true. And so that's why it's important to actually listen to what people are saying, kind of decide for yourself instead of someone else telling you. Here's what I like about him. I like that he always wants to make the government accountable. One of the things that's really crazy is the the debt that the government has. He was always talking about that. Well, how does that affect business owners? Interest rates have gone up significantly. How does that affect business owners? So he was always, and it wasn't like, you know, the big businesses like Facebook, Meta, big, huge conglomerates that they don't actually need help. It's the small business owner that needs help. And I always appreciated his perspective in wanting to help the small business owner and let's hold the government accountable and let's make sure that, uh, you know, there's, it's so funny. Um, I'm helping my daughter finish her final classes to graduate uh, high school. And this government class asked, you know, what are some ideas you have to increase the revenues for the government? That was the question. How can we increase revenue for the government? And I'm like, well, maybe we should like reverse. And actually, how can we you know, spend our money better. What if we had a balanced budget amendment? We, you know, had to be like a real family. Like if we spend more than we are, we're going to be screwed and go bankrupt, right? But our government doesn't seem to have to follow those rules. These are the things that I like about someone like Tucker that asks these difficult questions. And you know what else I like about him? He would call Democrats out, of course, but a lot of people don't realize he called Republicans out all the time. That's what we need. We need someone who holds everybody accountable. So that's kind of my uh, take on it. What's your, what's, your, uh, what's your response to Mr. Tucker Carlson being fired by Fox? Yeah, I mean, I, when you really break it down, the, the news has completely lost touch with what it was even designed to be. The, the reason I, I personally liked listening to and, and following Tucker Carlson is 
I felt like he always did a really, really good job of educating himself on the the topic, educating himself on the matter. And even though I felt like a lot of his things were a little bit extreme and a little bit drastic, I felt like he educated himself. He made his own conclusions and he said it how he felt it was. And so it really helped me get a a take and and educate myself on his perspective. Whereas I, I feel like a lot of these people nowadays are just doing exactly what their station tells them to do. They're not willing to do their own homework. They're not willing to do their own research. Whereas I, I felt like that's something that he actually always did. Yeah, exactly right. And so he he did. He just kind of, hey, here's where the truth is taking me. And you look at a lot of the big. So that that's kind of, the, that's another question, right? Like media right now, 10, 15, 20 years ago, it was controlled by these big TV stations. And now they're losing that battle. And the further they go away from actually being real and authentic and also the fact that, you know, you bring someone on and you give them 30 seconds to say something, it's pretty hard for them to actually explain something in a way you understand it, make a really valid point because these shows are so condensed. What seems to be working is a Joe Rogan podcast that's, you know, two, three hours long and he can actually dig and unpack a, a topic and get to the truth of it with somebody on there. And and that's kind of what Tucker Carlson now will have the uh, ability to do. And you look at all these different uh, media companies that are popping up that are online and they have a podcast and they have YouTube and they have all these different places that they're going live. Like that's where, that's where there's a shift. And so it's almost going to be, you know, almost like where young kids look at Facebook and like, oh, that's old. That's grandpa's and grandma's thing. Facebook's old. It's it's dying. And, and they look at the younger social media. And it's the same thing. Like a lot of CNN and Fox has very old viewers. And as that continues to shift over to digital spaces, those companies are probably going to be left behind. Exactly. Right. You're right. If you want to dive into something quite a bit deeper, you're going to jump into a podcast. You're going to figure out who you like to listen to, who you like to follow. At this point, Leo, I've gotten to the point where with breaking news situations, forget the, the big news stations. They all they care about is getting more viewers, getting more clicks. For example, a couple weeks ago, there was a a report of an active shooter situation in a nearby school, a school right by my house, a few miles down. And so I get on our local news and it says active shooter, blah, 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 shelter in place, whatever it was. So I I jump on Twitter and immediately, like right when I get on Twitter, I can see that, oh, it was fake. Someone called it in. It was a fake report. Everything's fine. And these are coming from people with the blue check marks, like legitimate oh, yeah. reports that it was fake. And the local news did not change their report on that for like six hours because they're getting all sorts of clicks on people thinking that there's an active shooter at this school in Spanish Fork, Utah. You know damn well they knew that that was fake hours beforehand, but they leave that up there just to get people to click on it, just to see the panic set in. And it's it's bogus. I'm I'm sick of it. I look at Twitter for breaking news and I follow podcasts and and people that I, I trust and believe when it comes to really diving deeper into a matter. A hundred percent, you know, and I get home nowadays and it's the end of the day and, 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 and Jill and I are sitting in bed and we're like, what should we watch? And regular TV just doesn't do it anymore. Honestly, Tucker was like one of the last things of regular TV that I actually watched. But these days, if it's a news thing, I'll go to YouTube. So this Tucker Carlson thing came out. I sure as hell didn't go to Fox News. I didn't go to CNN. I went 
to YouTube. And people that I trust, people that I like, people that keep it real, that are authentic, that try and be objective on both sides of it, I looked at what they were saying. And that's where that's where I get my news. And so YouTube, you can prop this video up and send it to viral because we are giving you a shout out. Honestly, I feel like YouTube and Twitter and Elon are doing a great job. Like these digital networks do a better job of getting me the content that I want it said, and it's in real time. And it's amazing. It's amazing. Just in the last 24 hours, how many people picked up that story and really tried to unpack it in a way. And you're right. Like just the, the slow regular news organizations and TV news just doesn't uh, do it anymore. And I don't even like to watch regular TV anymore. I hate it. So I'll, I'll, I'm it. pulling stuff up on YouTube or whatever or, and I enjoy that a lot more. We've got to talk about this, Leo. As, as much oh, as I want to get into the sports, yes. that's probably Jump, where I yeah. have a lot yep. of knowledge and whatnot. But yep. we've got to talk about this because this is the most asinine. Just another Biden administration bullshit. I have thing. ever seen because my, so my mother in law, she's all about every conspiracy theory out there, right? This big winter we had is because of cloud seeding and China wanting to give us this crazy winter so we don't have crops. And if you believe it, that's great. That's fantastic. Do your research. But <laughs> she, she brought this to my attention about a week ago, and I was like, no chance. But what it is, this is, is wild. the Biden admin has, has put this in. It, my, I, she told me it was executive order. Is that. Is that true, or do you know? I, I think so. Tucker, so. Tucker was, this was one of Tucker's final messages before he was fired. So what they're doing is, is the Biden admin put this in place to charge higher fees to those with good credit and lower fees to those with poor credit when it comes to mortgages. Meaning, if you have credit below like 680, I think is what mm -hmm. the threshold was, yeah, 680 was you it. get a lower interest rate than someone with good, strong credit. It was like 2% lower or something. And the guy with the 680 credit score, the guy and gal with good credit, you're paying an extra bonus fee of like $40 or $50 a month to go help that person with shitty credit get a lower interest rate and a lower mortgage payment. So but bad credit, This is, This is not made-up news. Like, this is legit. Like, this that, is what the Biden administration is doing. Because, hey, why <laughs> why should uh, why should I have to have good credit? I should get a good uh, rate and be able to buy a house uh, even though I never pay my bills on time. That makes sense. Right. I can see if you're lower income class, maybe having a special rate discount for lower income classes, great, by all means. But to punish someone that's taken good care of their finances, like that's like saying, you know what, you're in really, really good shape. You never have to go to the doctor and your insurance is higher. This fat ass gets it really, really cheap. Or you know what, you're a terrible driver, so we're going to give you cheaper insurance. That person that's never, ever been in an accident, they're going to, they have They've to pay. Got, they can afford to pay an extra. Like, yeah. give me a break. That is ridiculous. That, I, I mean, if I'm... <laughs> If I'm Trump or DeSantis, whoever it ends up being, I, I would blow this thing up because this is the most illogical thing that I, I've, I, I don't understand it. I just can't understand what There's, they're trying to accomplish here. There is no understanding. It's basically just flipping things on its head and not in a good way and saying, you know, we're not a meritocracy society anymore. You just get free shit because we're politicians. We want to give you free shit. Don't worry about it. You don't have to work for anything anymore. And that's what that's why our government debt is now up to thirty-one trillion dollars. That's why the U.S. dollar, as a as the official reserve currency, is being questioned. That's why a country like China is coming up 
And if we don't get our stuff together as a country, like this is this is why Ray Dalio was out there saying there's a new changing world order because our leaders are not leading us to where we need to go. And it's going to and, and these are all foundational items that if we want to be entrepreneurs and have freedom and live in the best country in the world and have those opportunities, like these things will go away for our kids if we're not careful. And it's amazing how quickly it can change. I remember just this guy from uh, from Venezuela who was a business owner who was driving us around Uber at Orlando like a year ago. And he talked about how quickly Hugo Chavez was able to ruin that country that had wealth, that had business owners so quickly. And it's these types of things that are going to ruin it. And this is the type of stuff that Tucker used to report on. So Yeah. And again, if you're watching that saying, oh, they just don't understand that blah, blah, blah. Look, again, I would be all for giving low-income earners a better interest rate, teachers, police officers, things like that. I am all for giving them a better interest rate. But to reward someone for not taking care of their credit, for not paying their bills, that just doesn't make And you know sense. who usually has wonderful credit? Teachers, police officers, firemen, like people who serve our community and helping them out because they serve our community makes all the sense in the world. And most of them do have wonderful credit because they are great people. They understand accountability. And and so so that's the thing. Even somebody who doesn't make a lot of money can have great credit and gets rewarded for it with a lower interest rate on their mortgage and finding ways for them to be able to get into houses and help them out with a, a lower down payment because it's hard for them to save money makes sense, yeah. right? That makes sense. No one, no one's disputing that. But when we just give people who don't deserve it something for nothing, like that's what's messing up our country. So, yep. Amen. Let's get into the sports segment here. Um, let's, Talk about the NFL draft, which is that this weekend? Yeah, it starts oh Thursday. Gosh, starts Thursday, and I, time flies. I, I I did spit a stat on our last podcast that ended up being not correct. Oh, we've this, got a correction. See, year. we're okay. We we, we <laughs> so, uh, notify a correction. So in years prior, it was the case. Actually, the COVID year, it was the case. It was the uh, the Lakers finals that the NBA draft, or sorry, excuse me, NFL draft did have more viewers. But last yeah. year. Uh, game one of, of the NBA playoffs, it, it looks like, was about $12 million, whereas uh, day one of the NFL draft was about $10 million. So pretty darn close. It's one of the, the highest-viewed television shows on a Thursday night, and that's during the Stanley Cup playoffs and the NBA finals. So it's pretty impressive. We love the NFL, Very obviously. Impressive. But we look at, uh, okay, they get $12 million watching an NBA finals game. Leo, how many viewers do you think the Super Bowl gets? Oh, it's got, is it 100 million? I mean, what is 200 it? 200 million. Okay. Yeah. 200. Mind Just boggling. insane. So, again, we're pretty excited. We got the NFL draft on Thursday. Uh, unfortunately, Ooh. the Dolphins just got totally screwed. They got their pick taken away for talking to uh, Tom Brady a little too soon, even though every team does it. They're trying to set a From precedent. From last year? Yeah. It, it was, uh. they, they apparently they had a conversation before they were allowed to. And instead of taking a sixth, seventh round pick like they always do, Miami gets slapped with the first rounder. I get Their it. They're first looking, round. Yeah. I get it, though. Miami's looking pretty dang good. They got Miami's they got looking good. Um, but, Leo, what, what would you say? I mean, NFL draft, who are you taking, number one? You know, it's a, it's a tough one. I, I think it comes down to uh, to to Bryce. Uh, is it Young? That is awesome? Young. Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. Aren't those kind of looking like the two top picks? They they have been or maybe the two top quarterback picks. Well, that got shaken up recently when oh, they they start doing happened. all these tests that that 
they start to look into Reveal how Reveal the actual Exactly how smart are these quarterbacks and whatnot and and CJ Stroud really struggled with that and oh, so a lot was, of people are taking that Anthony uh-oh. Richardson that Florida quarterback that Well he's a monster athlete yeah. clearly but the monster athlete doesn't always uh, translate into success in fact like the one of the few guys that I think has that I was was I've been surprised about is Josh Allen Yeah like he's one of those monster crazy athletes with a monster arm and I think it's really just his work ethic. Yeah. Oh, like no, that I, kid just hustles the, the crap out of everything. So I don't know. I mean, this I know this kid has a gun. I know he's very strong and very fast. I know that uh, Florida uh, beat Utah last year, and uh, Utah still had a pretty good season. So, But Florida, I don't think, did have that great a season. No, so. they, they didn't end up doing too well. Statistically, Richardson wasn't fantastic. But it's like you said, these teams look at it as this he, is. He reminds me of Trey Lance. Yeah, and he's going to yeah. get a high draft pick, and ownership's going to fall in love with all of the, you know, the tangible stuff. Like he can run this fast. I think his his uh, vertical is at like forty inches. It was, it, yeah. I, I think he can throw the ball seventy five, eighty yards. Has a monster arm, um, but you know, does he have the untangibles? Does he have the what Bryce Young can do? And Bryce, because Bryce Young can go back there and find the open man, move the safety around figure out if we've got cover one zone, if we've got cover three, he'll get his offensive lineman in the right places, and he's also clutch. Like that guy delivers when you have to score and win games in the fourth quarter at the end of the second the second half. Like that's – that's Yeah. that I, Yeah. I mean, if I'm in a situation where I've got a, a an older quarterback, maybe a Russell Wilson that we think can go another three years and I can draft Richardson and develop him for a little bit, by all means, but they're looking at him going number two overall. The most recent mock draft I saw yeah. was Bryce Young and then uh, Richardson, which I would, <laughs> if my team drafted, used a number two overall pick on him, I would be pretty disappointed. You know, and I can kind of see that. I, I was super impressed with the way uh, CJ played, but he also, I feel like, I think he had the best receiver core in the nation. Number oh, one. Oh, yeah. He had no question about it, right? NFL receivers across the board. I mean, the the dude who was drafted by the Saints last year, that guy should have been rookie of the year. He was phenomenal. And he played for Ohio State. They've got uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Garrett who's, Wilson. I mean, they, they are just stacked at receiver. And I think they're well coached. Like, their offensive staff makes it really easy making the reads. So maybe maybe there's something there, or maybe CJ will come in and just still play really well. Because I was impressed with him uh, in his college career. I thought, but I, I haven't. You know, I, I didn't do the uh, Wonderlick test. They still do a Wonderlick test. Is that what they do? I don't even know what, what <laughs> test they're doing. <laughs> Who knows? Huh? I do know that one thing we've seen is is transitioning over to the NFL. You have to be very very mentally tough, and yeah. and you have to be smart. Like you are nonstop the film study understanding the ins and outs of every single defense and I, I think you know case in point you can be a Jameis Winston and have every single tool out there oh, just yeah, have yeah. one of the greatest arms have a great uh great career in throughout college football and and Jameis Winston just mentally didn't have what it takes to be a superstar in the NFL in my opinion um but again I I really think Bryce Young's going to be Awesome. I think he's going to have a great NFL career, and um, we're excited to watch the draft. That being said. What, what about Grandpa Rogers? <laughs> Grandpa Rogers, that's where I was going. Let, let's look at this because I, again, I'm a Dolphins fan, right? AFC East, and obviously Uh-oh. the Jets are getting all high and mighty on 
they're not only they're not even talking about winning the division, Leo. They're talking about winning the Super Bowl. And so you know what? Let's break this down. Let's see who they brought into town here. And got Aaron Rodgers, one year older, a little bit bang up towards the end of the year. He's getting hurt more frequently, but last year, one year younger than where he is right now. Yards, thirty six ninety five, eleventh overall, not bad. Touchdowns, twenty six seventh overall. Twelve interceptions. Pretty, not, you know, a decent year. 26 TDs, 12 interceptions with a whopping 39.3 QBR. Wait, what? 39.3 QBR for 2022. That is really low. What was what was that uh, amongst everybody out there? 26th. 26th? Yeah. Oh, that's not good. That means when it counted, he did not make good decisions. Correct. And they bring him in to the Jets. Who, you know, again they've got a they've got a few weapons here and there. I don't think the O line's any stronger than it was in Green Bay. Um, everyone's super high and mighty on the Jets defense, but in all reality, like they're not going to be a top five, maybe not even top ten defense when you break it down. They have to play Miami twice. They have to play Buffalo twice. I call it a hot take. I still. The Jets won't finish better than third in the AFC East. Maybe get a wild card, wild card spot and a first round, or, or not even a first, a wild card exit is where they're going to end up. It's a bold take right there, guys. But the Jets seem to do this all the time, right? They bring in like a, a quarterback at the end of his career, hoping that they can, you know, deliver a great year. And then how often does that happen that they do that? Do, they do <laughs> deliver a great year. Oh, wait. Yeah, it didn't seem to work with Flacco. didn't seem to work with... Brett Favre, they they can't get a good quarterback. They they bring in a rookie with a lot of talent, and because he can't perform immediately, they boo him off the field. It's just, it's a mess. It, it's a mess of a, an organization, and I maybe a, a game better than five hundred this year. Yeah. Well, for all you Jets fans out there, Gary V and and everyone out there. You know, some people think it's going to be a great year for the Jets, but Ty is not seeing it, and boy. Based off of the Jets' history, it's tough to dispute whether it's going to be any different. And the thing about Aaron Rodgers is he's not Tom Brady. No. Tom Brady's at 365 days a year in, you know, always working on the game, always getting better. It seems to me like Grandpa Rodgers is, he's off doing one weird thing after another. He's experimenting with the shrooms. He just did like a 10-day uh, dark thing where he was in the dark for 10 days because that was going to help him uh, clear his mind up. Seems like he's always looking to clear his mind up from something, but football's not always at the top of his list. No, and now he lives in New York, so talk about even more distractions. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Well, Jet fans, good luck. I I Sad to say, I don't think things are changing. And not only that, but sadly, he is going to start over 65 or 67% of the snaps, which means you're giving up another first-round pick next year. So, oh boy, hate to see it. Oh, boy. Well, it will be fun to see that. Thursday, we got uh, the draft coming up. That's going to be uh, a good time. We've got a lot of actually more topics to hit you guys up with on Thursday. So we'll get uh, working on that show. If you are finding value in the show and the podcast, share it with your friends, especially if they're trying to get their money right, especially if they're in you know, a small business owner looking to get an, gain an edge, especially if they're in business finance and looking again for you know different insights. And again, we don't have all the answers, but we have been successful in building a few business finance uh, businesses out there. And, uh, you know, give us a thumbs up. And if you have questions or ideas or topics you want to chat about, type it in the comments section. And uh, Jillian and the team will identify those, and we will knock those out. 
But other than that, uh, what's your final word, Ty? Oh, man, final word is get your money right. Go to myfigures.com, get those accounts connected, get ready to present to an underwriter before you let them make that decision for you. Make sure you've got all the answers ready to go. Um, Enjoy the NFL draft. Go Dolphins and sorry, Jet fans. Go figure. Thank you for joining us on the Go Figure podcast. If you learned something that will help your business or family, take 30 seconds and give us a five star. If we added value to your day, then share the show with someone who wants to get their money right and be sure to subscribe to the Seven Figures Funding YouTube channel. If you're a business owner and a parent committed to getting your money right for your family, then check out the MyFigures.com money app with a free 30-day trial to manage your money, track your net worth, and build a profit-first business through our fintech platform. God bless, and we'll see you next time on the Go Figure podcast.